This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. You know, one of the things I love about Bible stories is that uh, they're awesome, and we should teach our children our Bible stories, and it's important. You know, I shared the whole message on Jonah. I've shared the message on uh, Ruth and Esther and Daniel. These are important stories to tell. Now, when kids are little, they may not understand everything, but that's okay. Uh, Tell them the story anyway. And so as they get older, you'll be able to maybe unfold the stories and uh, maybe their deeper meaning. But it's 2 Samuel chapter 6. It's a great, great story about David bringing in the Ark of the Covenant to the city of Jerusalem, the city of David. And there's an accompaniment uh, psalm that goes along with it who is worthy to stand in his presence, who's uh, worthy to uh, go up the holy hill, those with clean hearts, pure hearts, clean hands, and that's the accompanying psalm. But this is the story. So David is bringing up the Ark of the Covenant, and it says in chapter 6, 2 Samuel, verse 1, that David again brought together all the able young men of Israel, 30,000, And he and all his men went to Bala, Judah, to bring up there the ark of God, which was called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who is God, enthroned between the cherubim and on the ark. They set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it, it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. So they brought this ark, just picture that on this cart, and they're bringing it up. And then uh, the cart uh, was going along. And then now it says here, when the new cart with the Ark of God on it, uh, Ahio was walking in front of it, and they were celebrating with all their might before the Lord. Can you imagine? It's a parade. Basically, it's a parade. They're bringing the Ark of the Covenant, and they're bringing it to the city of Jerusalem, uh, its resting place. And they're, all of Israel was celebrating before the Lord with uh, castanets and harps and lyres and timbrels and sistrums and cymbals. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out and took hold of the ark because the oxen had stumbled. And then the Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. And therefore, God struck him down and he died there beside the ark of God. David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. And to this day, that place is called Paris Uzzah. And David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? And he was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. So instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite for three months. And the Lord blessed him and his entire household. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, I pray this story becomes real in our lives. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be open to your truths, that we can uh, extrapolate from your word. We love you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a great story. It's a true story. They're bringing up this ark. It's a parade, if you will. It's, 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 It's a big parade. They're bringing this ark of the covenant, and they're carrying it on this cart, and oxen hits a pothole. We have some people from Columbus. I'm not sure if they have that in there, but in Tallahassee, there's potholes. 
Um, and so it, it stumbled. And so this Ark of the Covenant, this, this piece of furniture, if you will, begins to tip over, and Uzzah reaches his hand out to stabilize it. And as soon as he does that, the Lord's anger burns against him, and he dies. At first reading, you think, well, this sounds a little, uh, a bit much. Someone touches the ark, and they die. They're trying to do something good, and they die. And so that you have to begin to maybe unfold, like, why did this happen? And uh, I find it interesting in how they carried the ark of the covenant. Because if, it, if you look carefully, and I, uh, it says here that they were carrying the ark on a, on a cart, and that they, they were oxen who were bringing the cart. And then that's when they hit the stumbling block or the, the pothole. It's pretty intriguing. I'm wondering if you know anything about the Old Testament, you've read it, you know that that's not how they're supposed to bring the Ark of the Covenant. You just have to uh, go back, and we won't go there yet, but I want to tell you another story that is incredibly interesting. It's the one right, a uh, whole chapter before, and it's found in 1 Samuel chapter 4. The Ark of the Covenant represents God's presence, and I'll share that in a second. But here, the Ark of the Covenant, now we're talking about a whole basically generation before, and it's, it's with the Israelites, and the prophet Eli is in charge of, there is no king yet, he's a prophet, and the Ark of the Covenant is with the Israelites. And there's all of a sudden, there's a, a battle in 1 Samuel chapter 4. And the Israelites came out to fight against the Philistines. 1 Samuel chapter 4. And the Israelites camped out at Ebenezer and the Philistines at Aphek. The Philistines deployed their forces to meet Israel. And as the battle spread, Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 of them on the battlefield. And when the soldiers returned to camp, the elders of Israel asked, why did the Lord bring defeat on us today before the Philistines? And look what they say. Let us bring the ark of the Lord's covenant from Shiloh so that he may go with us and save us from the hands of the enemy. And so I'm going to fast track a little bit and just kind of crunch the story. It's that basically they're using the ark of the covenant as kind of a rabbit's foot, a good luck charm. You know, something if uh, there's no mention of God's will or God's command they just go get this thing, uh, God's pres you know, this, this furniture that represents God's presence, and they say, well, if we just take this and put it in front of us, we just got defeated, and now if we put it in front of us, that will work on our behalf. But what happens is the opposite. So they brought the Ark of the Covenant to the Lord, who is enthroned between the cherubim and Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas were there with the Ark of the Covenant. And when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant came into the camp, Israelites gave a great shout and the ground shook. Hearing the uproar, the Philistines asked, what is all this shouting about? And so they were excited that this Ark of the Covenant, not that God had commanded them, not that God's presence, but this, this rabbit's foot is going to give them the victory over the enemy. So verse 10, so the Philistines fought and the Israelites were defeated and every man fled to this tent and there was slaughter everywhere. And the Israelites lost 30,000 foot soldiers and the Ark of the, 
of God was captured. This Ark of the Covenant belonged to the people of God. It did not belong to anyone else. And now it was captured. I can't even imagine just... We don't really capture the enormity of, of losing the Ark of the Covenant to the arch enemy, the Philistines. And when they arrived there, uh, when they heard about it, Eli was sitting on the chair in the side of the road watching because his heart feared for the Ark of God. And when the men entered the town and told what had happened, the whole town sent up a cry. And Eli heard the cry. And what is the meaning of this uproar? And the man hurried over to Eli with uh, who was 98 years old and whose eyes had failed so that he could not see. He told Eli, I've just come from the battle line and I fled at this very day. And he asked him what happened. The man who brought the news replied, Israel fled before the Philistines and the army suffered heavy losses. Your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead and the ark of God has been captured. And when they mentioned the ark of God, Eli fell forward off his chair by the side of his gate and his neck was broken, and he died. And he was heavy, and he was led, and he led by Israel for 40 years. Now, what we don't have time to read is that what happens with that ark that's, that is uh, taken by the Philistines. Here's this thing that's very precious. It represents the presence of God. It is now stolen or taken, and they don't know what to do with it. And so you're going to see there's a correlation between the first story I read and this story. They don't know what to do with it. They don't have the Old Testament scriptures. They don't have Deuteronomy telling them how they're supposed to um, uh, write the laws in their hearts. They don't have the, the, uh, the scripture of Exodus chapter 25 where there's explicit instructions how to carry the ark. They don't know any better. So what do they do? They're pretty practical. They take this heavy piece of furniture and they put it on a cart. We don't have the time to read it, but you can read it yourself. Later on in that story, they take it. And then they're basically cursed, and and it's a crazy story. Just read it yourself. But what what am I trying to extrapolate from the Scriptures? What am I trying to share with you? Is that this Ark of the Covenant that represents something precious, something so powerful, the presence of God. Uh, it tells us that uh, what was inside the ark was, uh, it was said that Moses had a golden jar of manna placed in the ark. The unbroken Ten Commandments were, was in the ark. And then Aaron's rod was in the ark as a sign of rebellion, of the, the history of the rebellion of the Israelites. It was also a sign of God's presence with his people. This is where he revealed himself on Mount Sinai. The Ark of the Covenant was incredibly important. So Lord, what are you saying to us today in 2019? Well, so I think this is what happens. I think that David means well and is bringing the Ark of the Covenant and he's bringing it in and he brings it incorrectly. He puts it on a cart being hauled by oxen. And we know that if we read the Scriptures, that's not how he's supposed to do that. We also know that right here it says in in Deuteronomy chapter 17, it says this, just listen, uh, verse 14. When you enter the land of the Lord your God has given you, he's giving this instruction to the Israelites, 
This is way before King David was alive. But this is what he says. The Lord your God has given you, and you have taken possession of it and settled in it. And you say, let us have a king over us like all the other nations. Be sure to appoint over you a king the Lord your God chooses. He must be from among your fellow Israelites. Do not place a foreigner over you who is not an Israelite. The king, moreover, must not acquire great numbers of horses for himself or make people return to Egypt to get more of them. For the Lord has told you, you are not to go back that way again. He must not take many wives, or his wife or his heart will be led astray. He must not accumulate large amounts of silver, silver and gold. And when he takes the throne of his kingdom, listen to this, this is really important. He is to write for himself on a scroll a copy of this law. He is to write for himself on a scroll a copy of this law taken from that of the Levitical priest. It is to be with him, and he is to read it all the days of his life so that he may learn to revere the Lord, his God, and follow carefully all the words of this law and the decrees and not consider himself better than his fellow Israelites and turn away from the law to the right or to the left. Then he and his descendants will reign a long time over his kingdom of Israel. So King David... A man who should have known, he was, he's, been, he's been crowned a king, and all kings of Israelites should know the law. They should write it on their hearts. They should write it on the scroll. You know, one of the things that my son, when he uh, was at college, my middle child, he wrote things down when he was taking a class. Um, he, we had note cards all over the house. That was pretty cool because he was writing things down. He wrote them down on a note card, and the question on one side and the answer on the other. And so he would just have them all over the place, in his bedroom, down in, in his dining room, or you know, wherever. And so the king was supposed to do something very similar, just write it down, embed it in his heart, have it in his mind. And so when David's bringing this ark, this thing that represents God's presence, it doesn't go well. He doesn't do it. And it costs his friend's life. So where are you going, Pastor Mari, with this? Are we not the new temple, the new place where God resides? Isn't God in our hearts, the Holy Spirit burned in our hearts as a sign of a future redemption as well? We are his temple. And so how we carry ourselves is incredibly important. How you carry your life is incredibly important. It has impact. And parents, I tell you, if you could just, as my Dr. Wilson would say at Southeastern, look me in the eyes. Look me in the eyes because how you live your life will determine those, how they will live their lives around you. King David, carrying this beautiful object that represented the presence of God, didn't do it right. And it cost him his friend's life. A few weeks ago, I talked to, uh, you know, we were talking about what happens when a piano is out of tune or uh, uh, a formula is out of uh, whack. It's not right. It, things go astray. Bridges aren't built correctly. Pianos aren't, they don't sound correctly because something's off. And when we don't follow God's commands, something's off and it costs. So David, I think what happens, I think David 
thought practically. He looked over the fence, if you will, kind of like the tool-time fence neighbor, and he looked over the, the fence and he could see uh, how they carried the Ark of the Covenant. Practical, to put it on a, on a cart, being hauled by oxen. That's practical, but it's not scriptural. As believers, we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. And you, we might be tempted to look over the fence and see how other people are living lives. Maybe how other people are living their marriage life or their parent life or their financial life. And it may seem practical. We might look over the fence and look, you know, uh, you know they watch these shows and it, there's no harm, no foul. So it seems okay. It worked for them. Maybe it'll work for us. Maybe we do this with being naive or we're just immature. But as God has placed his Holy Spirit in your life, we need to grow up and begin to read his word and find out what he wants. We live in a culture will tell you how they want to live. But as believers, we need to know how he wants us to live how he wants us to conduct our lives, how he wants us to, what kind of marriage he wants us to have, what kind of mom and dad he wants us to be, what kind of workers he wants us to be at work. We can't just guess. We can't just assume. When you assume King uh, Uzzah dies, when you assume that maybe things are just going right or you're just, you know, it seems practical, and I'm not saying people are going to die around us, but spiritually, spiritually, something might happen to those who are around us. You would never want that for them. So the Bible tells the king should have these things written in their hearts. So David, what's he do? He figures out, hey, this is practical. It works for them. No harm, no foul. But all of a sudden, he finds himself. They didn't take it seriously. He didn't take it seriously. If you read the rest of the story, which we, we will, and so uh, what do they do when this ark, touch, you know, Uzzah touches the ark and Uzzah dies? David's ticked. So what's he do with this ark of the covenant? He takes it to a friend's house. I don't really think he was his friend. I think he may be, you know, hey, let him have it. See what happens to him. Back in the day, I had neighbors like, I was like you know, Maybe I should take the Ark of the Covenant to them. I'm just kidding. Look what it says. And, he, and, said the, and David, um, it says here, the Ark of the Lord, uh, now David uh, blessed the household of Obed-Edom in verse 12 of 2 Samuel chapter 6. The Lord blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything ha uh, he has because of the Ark of God. So David, look what happens with David. So David went to bring up the Ark of the God. Now he realizes that Obed-Edom is being blessed so let me go get this thing and look at the transition here. So David went to bring up the ark of the God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing when those men who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps. He abandoned the cart and the oxen. I believe he went back to Scripture and recognized his, his wrongness and began to lead the Ark of the Covenant, correctly. 
He says that uh, the men carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps. He sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. And wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. While he and all of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. And as the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. It's a great story. I'll stop there for a second. So he's bringing it up. He figured it out. He went back to scriptures. I was convicted so many times. I've read this story. I've preached this, especially in, in the early days. I was like, Lord, help me to have a marriage that honors you, that's in line with Scripture. I don't want a Spanish marriage. I want a Christian marriage. If my wife was here, she'd say amen. I, I don't want a, uh, uh, my past history marriage. I want a Christian marriage. I don't want to raise my kids by cultural standards. I want to raise them by scripture standards. They may not understand it. Because they don't understand the word. I want to raise my kids the way that God wants me to raise my kids. And that's a challenge, I know, for all of us. We've all raised our kids here. and you know, we, we, We're not to escape. We're not to hide ourselves. We are to be, uh, I believe, uh, healing to this culture, a light to this world. But how do we do that? We have to raise our kids in a way. Because our kids, uh, we represent the, the presence of God. And our kids, by virtue of being our children, we want to make sure that they are representing the presence of God. And not look over the fence and say, well, that makes sense. So they watch that and they do this and they do that. doesn't seem to hurt them. Look at them. They're financially blessed. Look at that big house they have over there. And so we begin to slowly adopt different methods, different principles, different ways of life. But David figured it out. I believe there was repentance involved. He gets it right, and uh, he does it right. Now, the funny thing is that, well, it's not funny in a funny way, but kind of a sad way. Michael, the daughter of Saul, it's one of the saddest verses in, in all of Scripture. Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from a window, and when he saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in, his, in her heart. So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the side of the tent of David, had pitched for it, and David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. And after he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the, same, in the name of the Lord Almighty, then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins to each person in the whole crowd of Israel. You have to read into it what that really means. We're just not going to do it right here. But it's pretty interesting uh, what David, King David gave the Israelites. It's pretty interesting. You should want to read it. So everybody went home, and they were blessed. But when David returned home to bless his household, Michael, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, sarcastically, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half-naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. And so he was celebrating. He was excited. You probably know the story of David, you know, dancing like David danced. He gave it everything to the Lord. He, would, he didn't hold back. 
he went back to the Scriptures and he began to align himself with God's Word and he didn't hold back. But I find it ironic, sad, that his own wife begins to mock him. I've done that myself. I, I, I embarrassingly tell you that I've done that when I was in my rebellious years. I remember someone going after God pretty hard and pretty seriously and making fun of them. Come on, you don't, you're not one of those holy roller guys. You know, we used to say that back in the day. Are you, oh, you're Mr. Spiritual. Or you're, um, oh, you're one of those fanatics. I said that to my friend Craig, like, don't be one of those fanatics. And this is what Michael, David's wife, is saying to him. Don't be one of those fanatics. You've embarrassed me. And look what he says in verse 21. He says, I was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone else from his household when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people. He says, listen, I'm under the authority of God. And I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. And when you, you begin to align yourself with God's word, it might seem foolish to some people. It might even seem foolish to religious people. Well, I'm not going to watch that on show. Like, come on, there's, there's no harm in that. Come on, don't be one of those people. I'm not going to listen to that. I'm not going to go do this. I'm not going to do, don't be that. Don't be that person, holier-than-now person. And we have to be careful. I've fallen prey to that. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you speak of, I will be held in honor. And I believe that when you live the way that God calls us to, and it might seem fanatical to some people, it might seem weird, but I believe those around us will be blessed. You see what happens when David doesn't live according to Scripture? Friends, don't get blessed. When we align ourselves to the Word, people are blessed. Look what it says, the very saddest verse in the Bible. And Michael, daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. That's a nice way, a Bible way of saying they were no longer intimate. It didn't say she couldn't have children, but she had no children. And I believe that's a, a, kind of like an Old Testament, nice way of saying they were no longer together. No longer together. When I heard that for the first time, I'm thinking to myself, Lord, Forgive me for those times where I, I made other people feel bad for going after God. And tell them they're, they're taking it too seriously. They, they, they didn't want to put anything between them and God. And that, that thing that they, wouldn't, they, would, they removed between them and God was maybe something that I was comfortable with. And them removing it made me feel uncomfortable. And so I began to put the guilt thing on them. Don't be one of those people. And I believe when we do that, especially as Christians, we've got to be careful. I think we lose some intimacy, that closeness that we get with God. When we, we put others down or we, we, we try, to water, you know, try to bring down the flame that, that's burning in someone's heart. 
And Michael's daughter of Saul had no children to the day of her death. Now, a side note. I have no clue what happened to the Ark of the Covenant. We don't know what happened. It's kind of interesting that the Ark of the Covenant was such a powerful symbol, a representation of God's presence, such so powerful in the Old Testament that we don't know really what happened in the New Testament. Now, the Revelations chapter 11 uh, hints to the fact that it's in the heavenly temple. And I believe it doesn't, you know, basically it's important, but now that we have the Holy Spirit residing in us, this is important. The way you live your life and your heart is important. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that all of us, as I wrap it up here, that we would take seriously living out the decrees of the Lord. That when the Lord speaks to us, that we listen. That we don't take things in our own hands or we just kind of figure it out ourselves. Or worse yet, I think, look over the fence and see how they're doing it. Let's close our eyes and just bow our heads for a moment. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Lord, I just pray right now that every marriage right now in this room would be a marriage that honors you and that is a marriage that is aligned with Scripture. Lord, I pray, God, that you would just help me, help us, those who are married. Lord, for those who are not married, I pray, God, that you would align all of us Aligned to your word. Lord, I can't imagine what it's like right now in the, in the culture of singleness. There's so many temptations, easy temptations. Lord, I pray, God, that no one would fall prey to those falsehoods. But, Lord, that they would align themselves with your word. Lord, for the little children in our lives, I pray, God, that they're blessed. Lord, I thank you, Father. Just everybody's eyes closed. If you just want me to say, Pastor Mario, I just want you to pray with me real quick. Just lift your hands. Just areas of my life that just need to be aligned with God's word. Just raise your hand. Amen. Put your hands down. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. Lord, I pray, God, that you would help us. Lord, I love conviction because it, it, it says... The Holy Spirit is like reaching out his hands and saying, come on, let's, let's do this correctly. Let's do this together. I, I hate condemnation because that's the enemy saying, you're, you're no good. You're, it's worthless. It's, don't even try. So we rebuke the enemy who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But, Lord, we embrace your Holy Spirit. We say, thank you, Father. Help us. Lord, I pray, God, that every part of our lives, at work, at home, in our marriage, Lord, is honoring and aligned with your word. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.